Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Uh, and we are back. I don't know why I just did the long, uh, I knew we were starting to record. That was really rude of me. Apologies. But anyway, and we are here today for another segment of Women Around the World Nonfiction Edition. Yes. So, Annie, how old are you? Oh, yeah, I'm getting personal. <laughs> I am a 32 English standard years old. Nice. <laughs> and actually, very clarification because the Korea is a different age range. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, with that, did you think that your life would be different where you are today, mm-hmm. 10 years ago? Did you think you would be here? 10 years ago? Yeah. So, 22? No, I thought I was planning on moving to China at that time. And I definitely, I know we've talked about it before. I think I still was in the mindset that by 28, I would be married or on my way to getting married and like thinking about children. Right. Uh, I'm not sure at the time, I guess I knew what a podcast was, but <laughs> if I did, it was a very vague understanding of what it was. So, no, I am not where I thought I would be at all as a single woman in her closet. No prospects of marriage or children on the horizon, which is fine. Recording a podcast in her closet, yeah. I love that it also includes that you are in your closet. Yeah. For this conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, today, not to not to put any shame on you because I'm right there with you. Uh, of course, I'm 40 years old and this is not where I thought I would be. Uh, granted, 10 years ago, I was unemployed and said that I had just turned 30 and I had no job at that point. I was living out of friends and it just seemed all bad. So... <laughs> I feel like I've come a long ways since then. Uh So I feel very grateful in where I am and being able to be where I am. But today, we're actually talking about a woman who, by the time of your age, she was coming on to getting her Nobel Peace Prize. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel both very inadequate, but also very proud. Right. Like, damn, get it. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's exactly what it is because it was 1992. And at that time, she was one of the youngest to receive the Nobel Peace Prize, as well as the first indigenous woman to receive it as well. So there are so many things that we could say. But today we are talking about Nobel Peace Prize winner Rigoberta Minchu Tum. And we'll be calling her Minchu because that's kind of what she's known throughout what I've been reading about her. But she was actually born in Shamel, a village in the northwest region of Guatemala, and was part of the indigenous group from the Quiche Mayans and only spoke the language of Quiche until she was 19 years old. When she was young, Menchu and her family, like many of the people of the indigenous community, would work on the large southern coastal farms where she would, at the age of 13, work as a maid. Two of her brothers died while working on these farms, one from being poisoned by the insecticides and the other due to malnutrition. She stated that while working on these farms, she experienced discrimination from the wealthy families and was even treated worse than the family dogs. 
Right. She and her family were active in social reforms through the Catholic Church. She became a really strong advocate for the women's rights movement, which she started to take part in as a teenager. So an activist through and through. And it was during her teens, her family was accused of taking part in guerrilla activities, and her father was later imprisoned and tortured. And after his release, he joined the Committee of the Peasant Union, or the CUC, which she also later joined. And soon after, her father, brother, and mother were tortured and killed. She actually continued to work with the CUC, teaching herself Spanish and other Mayan languages to continue in the movement for the rights of her people. And soon after her family's death, Menchu actually fled to Mexico in 1981 because of the persecutions that were happening. And uh, in Mexico, she worked with international movements to bring awareness and to stop the brutality against the indigenous people of Guatemala. She became a public figure for the movement with her public speaking engagements and her efforts in organizing. She soon published her story in I, Rigoberta Menchu, which tells her own story from childhood and the stories of her mother and brother's murders. The book was translated in several languages and garnered international attention. It begins, My name is Rigoberta Menchu. I am 23 years old. This is my testimony. I didn't learn it from a book, and I didn't learn it alone. I'd like to stress that it's not only my life, it's also the testimony of my people. The important thing is that what has happened to me has happened to many other people too. My story is the story of all poor Guatemalans. My personal experience is the reality of a whole people. She actually returned to Guatemala on several occasions to fight for the rights of the indigenous communities, but continued to receive death threats and was even jailed at one time. Um, And it was during her 1992 trip that she learned of her Nobel Peace Prize win for her work for the indigenous people. She used her prize money to start the Rigoberte Menchu Tomb Foundation, which is an Indian advocacy organization, according to her explanation. Her story has been alleged to have some inaccuracies, including her recount of what happened during her lifetime, but she continues to earn praise, deservedly so, for her work and continuous fight for equal rights and justice. In 2004, President Oscar Berger asked her to help implement the country's peace accords in Guatemala, and in 2007, she created the Indian-led political movement Winnock, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which in Mayan means the wholeness of the human being and ran for president but was unsuccessful. In 2006, Minchu became one of the founders of the Nobel Women's Initiative with Nobel Peace Prize laureates Jody Williams, Wingari Mathai, Betty Williams, Shireen Ibodi, and Maraid Corrigan McGuire. And they came together to help strengthen women's rights around the world by uniting their efforts through their own experiences in fighting for peace, justice, and equality. Man, what a powerful organization right there. I know. (laughs) And of course, the Nobel Peace Prize wasn't her only accolade. She also has been awarded the Peace Abbey Courage of Conscience Award, Prince of Asturias Prize, Order of the Aztec Eagle, and... Blind Love Prize. For I don't know why, but for a second, my brain stuttered and, and thought it was Spind Love Pizza. And I got <laughs> really excited <laughs> that that's pizza. an award. <laughs> it's like pizza for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. Oh. Anyway, yeah. So she has actually been appointed as UNESCO's Goodwill Ambassador for the activism for the rights of indigenous people. Uh, she acted as a spokesperson for the first International Decade of the World's Indigenous Peoples, which was in 1995 to 2004. To say that she has made some impact is an understatement. The fact mm-hmm. that she actually wanted to be in part of the politics to help make change, to be the president— That is some high aiming. And again, there has been some controversy about the accuracy of her story, which she didn't necessarily write, but it was written for her. She was a part of that publication. 
that there was whether or not that she should be discredited as if some of her stories were completely wrong. But the fact of the matter is, it's not so far from history, especially during the Civil War in Guatemala, that these things have been happening. And it's not too far of outreach to see that many of the indigenous people around the world have been mistreated a lot and still have not been given reparations nor the justices that they deserve in any capacity. So I think it's a lot to see that she has been through so many things in trying to advocate for her community, for her people. The fact that she didn't speak Spanish until 19 and she saw that as a part of a way of communicating to be an activist is huge. And I could not imagine the toll of watching her family die and going through all of these tragedies to being here to become a leader and to make these powerful statements as an indigenous woman. Mm Mm-hmm. So much tragedy and hardship, but also so many amazing, inspiring things, as is often the case with the women we talk about on this segment. So yeah, as always, listeners, we hope you enjoyed this. And we hope that if if there are women you think we should be talking about around the world, please send them to us. Please. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Also a bad woman. Oh, yes. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 